Welcome everybody to The Patriot and the Preacher. I'm Mark Anthony, your Patriot. This is Todd Cognato, the Preacher. Merry Christmas to everybody out there. We're glad to have you with us. Uh, Christmas is just around the corner. I'm sure everybody out there is uh, shopping, depending on what your state is telling you what not to do or what to do. And we want to just wish everybody the very best from both of us right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's uh, it's still the time where we reflect and remember the yes. birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we can't forget that in the midst of all the craziness that's going on in our world right now, Mark. And it is quite crazy. We're going to get to most of that in our <laughs> next segment. But to say that a lot has gone on in the last week would definitely be an understatement. Yeah, we're in a period of time where it's like you write a story. If you're trying to be a new, you know news organization, you write a story. It's almost outdated by the time you put it out. I mean, you know, it's it's crazy. You know, you can't. I've never, and I've been reporting on news for many years, Mark. And I'll tell you, this is the first time I've seen it like this, where it's like you write something in the morning, it's outdated in the afternoon. I mean, that's, that's how fast the cycle's moving right now. You're right. You're right. And then you know, we know that ticker tape was in uh, for the new all the news stations was invented around 9/11, and you're absolutely right because now when you read something in the morning by the afternoon it, it is outdated and there's oh. more info and it keeps just coming out like a fire hose now these days so we're here we're going to differentiate between what you're hearing out there and what really is going on there have been more than just a few developments and i think really the first one to point to todd is uh ratcliffe the dni yeah. director yeah um, it's earth shattering, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, he's come out and said explicitly there has been foreign intervention in the election. And, you know, we, we know from previous uh, news segments that he's done, you know, he, he definitely knows China is that main player. Um, there's been other people that have said Iran as well and maybe some other countries. But the, we really believe the main player in this intervention in our election has been China, Mark. Right. That's right. And Venezuela, by the way. And Venezuela, and it's kind of funny you mentioned Venezuela, <laughs> only because, you know, we all know as we've gone through uh, this just labyrinth of stories and how everybody's connected, right, Todd? We've yeah. got Dominion, and then we've got Smartmatic, and then, of course, we have the other company that was just raided yeah. that's related to those three companies that actually have, has given a backdoor right. to a lot of hacking, you know... It's kind of funny because we've been paying so much attention to Dominion and, and quite frankly, they've been caught in line already in their testimony. Right. Uh, wouldn't you know it? And this is no joke. This is being reported by the BBC. There's video of it everywhere. Todd, um, so thousands of Dominion voting machines in Venezuela, uh, somehow the what warehouse got caught on fire they've all been burned you know these type of things i mean if anybody doesn't wake up by now i mean it's 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 really banana republic stuff at this point you know what i'm mm -hmm. saying I mean, like, oh you know this person died oh they committed suicide oh this i mean it's just so i mean remember epstein's camera mark when right you know all of a sudden the camera feed didn't work how many times does it take before people start waking up and stop believing these six corporations that give us 90% of the quote unquote news that, you know, is, is basically propaganda, Mark. Yeah, it is propaganda. But just to give you an idea, because they have no idea in Venezuela how yeah. this all came to be. I'm sure they're just shocked. <laughs> right. We're talking about 50,000 voting machines. Oh, are gone. Um, and 400 electronic ballots. Uh, right. This is the thing. 
because while it's been called to attention that Dominion is being helped dictators across the uh, world get yeah, uh, elected, um, and we know it's true, and we know that they're connected to the Chinese government and uh, to drug cartels, and it's it's really a, just a an eclectic group of people that are connected to this, and I'm being right. facetious, but ladies and gentlemen, what's going on now, we're going to talk about this more in the new segment coming up, is that we're finding out that not only did they pull off the biggest con in the history of the world, but during the time where we are calling attention to it, it seems as if they also went as far as they could to cover for what they did. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and the cover-up's what gets you caught. You know, it's usually the cover-up that gets you caught. So we're praying and asking God that these things would be revealed, like the scripture says, what's done in darkness will be brought to light, you know? Absolutely, Todd. And that's a lot of what's what we're seeing start to trickle out now. But a lot more is coming out from what we do know uh, coming forward. But that DNI report is going to be something that is going to, I think, change the entire narrative. Because now that we know that Dominion was dirty, Smartmatic, um, right. and other companies connected, we also know that we absolutely had three countries, if not more, trying to yes. try to. They interfered in this election and yes. its outcome. Yes. And, and Sidney Powell's alluded to this, too, where there was a white hat hacker uh, that basically, and, and I've heard a general also testifying on this, where they said, we have the packets. But apparently there was hackers that were able to see there was back doors that were opened by these foreign uh, governments. And so that is direct interference in our election. Uh, they should have never been connected to the Internet, number one. Um, this whole system is unbelievable. It's what they used in Venezuela, like you said, to have these fraudulent elections, you know, time after time. The, the greatest country, you know, on the planet should not be using the system that Venezuela is using. I think more and more people are waking up and they're realizing, even those that are not really truthful, seekers that are kind of just you know busy with their lives they're kind of sitting there and saying you know something is kind of weird with this election don't you think mark right exactly when you you know obviously there's a very high percentage of, re of conservative republicans that believe it but there's there's a surprisingly high number of independents and yes. actually close to 20 percent of democrats polled realize something was wrong with the election not just the outcome but how it was all handled when you're seeing attorney, uh, attorney, attorneys general from different states not acting within the law or secretaries of state and the manipulation that's been going on um, and they're not filling, fulfilling their oath of office to get down to the, to the truth. As a matter of fact, they're trying to shield us from the truth. We have a problem and it goes beyond the fact that there's corruption. This election, well, look, even um, Maria Bartiromo, Bartiroma from Fox Business has said that her intel uh, sources are telling her that not only did Trump win, but he won by millions of votes. That's right. That's right. And that, and that would just be, um, you know, in line with what we saw at the rallies, what we saw in the boat parades, what we saw, you know, what we talk about. I mean, I know so many people that used to be Democrat that voted for Trump. You know what I'm saying? And that's pretty amazing. I mean, New York people in Long Island was like uh, Trump central over there. You know what I'm saying? Right. Unbelievable. Some of this stuff, Mark. And so, you know, to think that he would have lost with those, those lethargic crowds. I mean, Joe Biden did a live stream the other day and like a thousand people tuned in. I mean, this is a guy that won more votes than anybody in the history of America? Give me a break, okay? That's right, that's right. So we got to, you know, let's look, you know, we're going to uh, 
differentiate between the gaslighting absolutely that's been going on and the facts that we know them as of right now, which obviously will change almost when you're done listening to the show, but at least we'll get you up to date. Uh, so uh, we're excited to have uh, three three great guests, uh, especially for the Christmas season. We've got some, well, first of all, obviously, everybody's been sitting around, right, uh, for the most part since uh, March, trying to uh, see what to watch on TV. And our friends at Pure Flix are joining us to talk about some of the Christmas movies, how they've grown. Uh, gosh, Todd, we talk about it uh, so much. Pure Flix in the beginning was just a small uh, content provider. Look what they've become. I mean, yeah. the movies they put out there, especially as uh, Billy's going to bring up from Pure Flix, The Case for Christ, one of my favorite movies really of all time. Yeah. As far as from a Christian platform, right? Yeah. Yeah. Great movie. Excellent. Great movie. movie. Yeah. Um, and so uh, Billy Holloway, who is the director of content for Pure Flex, is going to join us. And we actually have a, uh, we're going to be giving away a subscription to one lucky listener. So make sure you listen to the rest of this show. Uh, we also have Christopher Priest from the Salvation Army. He's going to join us to talk about what they've been up to. They're an amazing organization, Todd. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, they have been around for years and uh, every, I think every one of us has some type of memory or experience. I think of me when I was in New York City going to Herald Square and you see the guy out there with, the, right. you know, and, uh, you know, it's just like a movie situation, you know, and so it's always been a part of our life. Uh, and, and so this guy's going to tell us how they're adapting with COVID and all the different changes and still doing the good work that they do. Actually, yeah, absolutely. They really are. And uh as a matter of fact, there's one in particular, uh, their Operation Rescue Christmas, that they're doing that uh, anybody can get involved in. So we're going to talk about that in an interview with him. And then Dr. Michael Rechtenwald, he has published a brand new novel about the current situation. It is not; it is fiction, but uh, you're going to quickly hear how close it is to reality going on. It's uh, it's called Thought Criminal. We're also going to talk to him because he's very familiar with Google and Facebook and the and just the enormity of the power they have right now, Brian. I mean, Todd, yeah. excuse yeah. me. Yeah. yeah, that's okay. That's <laughs> all right, man. Um, so we've got three great guests coming up. Stay with us. The news is next. We're going to break down what's really going on versus what the mainstream media has been telling us. So stay with us. Welcome back to the Patriot and the Preacher. So, uh, Todd, a couple of things that have come out, which is after this forensic report, these voting machines have a 68%. Yeah. They're calling it an error rate. Give it's not an error rate. Yeah. About changing and modifying words to make it sound better. And it's not a glitch either. No, no. Now, we understand more of their plan now because what this is, is it forces these votes into adjudication. And what that is, is if there's a corrupt operative, you know, which we believe there probably were in place right. in many of these places, what it does is it allows them to choose what the intent was for that vote. And so 60 something percent of the votes, think about that. They can literally take a bunch of Trump votes and put them into the folder for Biden. And that's what we believe has happened here. This is unbelievable smoking gun evidence, Mark. It absolutely is. Uh, as a matter of fact, you know, there's so much going on. I wanted to bring attention to this because I, I think that overall it kind of brings 
some things to focus. When they went back, by the way, to go look at Atrium County, um, and this is very interesting. You would think, and that's what I talked about, um, and this is in Michigan, by the way, you would think that uh, if there was nothing going on, that it would be very easy to retrieve all this data, Todd. Yeah. But, <laughs> but think this again, is, think again. Uh, again, this goes to the Tom Clancy 24 episodes. Yeah. This is. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. So imagine this, this is, and they're trying their best to not here. Um, so they went to go look at the logs because right. obviously they'd be able to look and yeah, see look at the logs. See what yeah, happened. Yeah. And, and by the way, here's the interesting thing. They were able to go look at 2018 logs, 2016 logs, right. but guess what? Yeah. The logs for 2020 are gone. gone. <laughs> Done. Just gone. They, <laughs> Well, and so that right there, though, from a legal standpoint, should show. And that's where it comes back to the judiciary here is, is they need to rule, Mark, because, you know, they ruled, uh, you know, from the Supreme Court. They said the, the case lacks standing, but they didn't say they lack merit. And so once they find the standing to get this, and I think one of Sidney Powell's cases has now made it <coughs> to SCOTUS, you know, they have to look at the merit. And this is a smoke, another smoking gun where it's going to happen, you know, this is where those alternate electors come in. Because mm -hmm. the thing is, is that, wait a minute here, what, what do you mean you don't have the 2020 uh, file? Like, wh where did it go? And why did it get deleted? And, you know, this is a problem. This is a huge problem. Huge they had problem. the past years. They had the, the past years. They just don't have this year's. That's exactly right. And uh, so if that's not suspicious to you, then you're not paying attention. We've got a lot. Let's say this. If that's the case in this one county, Todd, it's pretty safe to assume that when we go and do other forensic examinations, we're going to find what? The same thing the same going thing. on. It's all, they've already found it in, in With, other yeah, places. That's right. So doing these recounts that were done in certain states aren't going to produce and bring us to the source of the issue because these machines have been manipulated. These aren't software glitches. As most people know, I spent 20 years in Silicon Valley before getting into media and politics, and that has to be – the programs at this point don't think for themselves, Todd. They actually do what they're told, whether it's at the hard, hardware level or at the software level or using bots or using um, you know, USB drives to go in there and manipulate what's going on. That's right. You know, there was a representative. I can't think of what state she was in. She's an African-American woman. I think it might have been Michigan, but I could be wrong. But she was basically saying, like, you owe me, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. You owe me. I think a lot of people feel that way, Mark, is, is that they're owed. Why are they owed? Because they've done some things that they should not have done. And they feel because that, you know, there's going to be a Biden win here now and Kamala's going to be in there, that they're not going to get held accountable for these things. But I beg to differ because I know the Bible says what's done in darkness shall be brought to light. There's a bunch of people praying right now and asking the Lord to reveal what has happened here. And I think a lot of Americans that have discernment know this is this stinks to high heaven here, Mark. That absolutely does. And, you know, these there's all these other stories and data points to reinforce that. Not only did Mark Zuckerberg yeah. intentionally on his platform censor, not just censor, kicking conservatives off, off and Christians that were reporting anything 
like for instance, news about the Hunter Biden um, right. scandal. Right. But now we know that the CEO, um, this is, ladies and gentlemen, $500 million mm. went into his organi organizations that, uh, much like George Soros does, that right. have these names that sound very harmless, but they're actually very harmful. And oh, yeah. we can, he dumped $500 million into those cities so that we, they could get the result they intended. Yeah, that's a lot of money, a lot of dinero there. And uh, the thing is, if you got to think about this is, you know, where are these organizations like Facebook, you know, how did they start? How do you know, I, I don't want to get into conspiracy here, but it's like, it's almost like these were all put together to help push this whole thing, Mark, you know, Absolutely. into this new, like we we're going to talk about one of our guests today, uh, Michael, you know, we're going to get into this whole thing, but it's like this new world order, I guess would be the mm -hmm. way to explain it where, you know, you have uh, COVID passes to get around and you have, you know, you can be deplatformed, you have a social credit score. It's really getting Orwellian and it's happening fast. Right. And we're seeing it literally right before our eyes. By the way, the two names of this of these organizations, Center for Tech yeah. and Civic Life. See, that sounds very harmless. They're always great. Like the, you know, the names of these bills, like the Patriot Act and the, you right. know, the Freedom Act and all these different things. You know? It's all about branding, right? And how yeah. and and how they're presented. You know, um I I want to move to the Georgia race, which by the way, if anybody hasn't heard this, I want to point this out that already in that state. The judge has extended what? Absentee ballots. Yes. So the fix is already in there. Um, I want to go to this uh, the man that's running for Senate yeah. uh, who calls himself a pastor. Oh, come on. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. A pastor that believes in murdering babies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, well, he says. Do you think it, the reverend, uh, this is what he said. This is amazing. I think that human agency and freedom is consistent with my views as a minister. Meaning, do you think it's consistent, he was asked, with God's view and that God endorses the millions of abortions we've had in this country since Roe v. Wade? And he believes that uh, that these are in alignment with God's views. It's God. ridiculous. No, it's ridiculous. And anybody that would say that is a false prophet, is a false pastor, and uh, you cannot be in line with, listen, the Ten Commandments, it's right, it's right there in the beginning. You know, I mean, Moses came down, you know, thou shall not murder. And, and so how do you agree with murder? Oh, but that's okay. That's what the devil did in the Garden of Eden. But, you know, but should you really not eat from that tree? Should you really not murder the babies? Give me a break, okay? I'm going to call a spade a spade, Mark. Well, yeah, and, th and this is one of the things that I know you and I, because we talk so much offline, this infuriates me when somebody turns around. We're talking about gaslighting. This is, this is you've gone beyond that because you're taking your position, uh, whether earned or not, in this case, probably not with this man, not probably not, he hasn't. Right. And he is twisting scripture. But even worse than that, to add on to this, uh, Todd, is that Joe Biden actually said, quote, that uh, 
that women have a constitutional right to an abortion. Give me a break. Yeah. 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 Well, you know what? I, sometimes I, I talk with my family, Mark, and like, you know, we almost think like, should there just be a separation in America? Should we just have two different countries and let the liberals just go and do all the kill their babies and do all the, you know, light their cities on fire? Because it's just so unbelievable that people actually believe this stuff and, and they make excuses for it. But it's very sad, but it's true, you know? Yeah. Unfortunately, um, unfortunately, it's true. And, you know, before we go, I wanted to point this out because we're talking about Solar Winds. That's the other company that um, is of great concern because of the uh, because uh, well, election wise, and the fact that we also had a huge breach, as most people have read, right um, into the highest levels of our government. Yeah, meaning yeah. the DoD and and further than that. So the owners of Solar Winds have links to ready Obama, uh-huh. huh? The Clintons, <laughs> China. Hong Kong, yes, and of course the election process. Mm-hmm. So this isn't all just <laughs> we're not throwing this out as conjecture. Gateway right. Pundit is con- is confirming this. The Epoch Times, yeah. Newsmax is on the story, yeah. and uh, so there's another piece to the puzzle that we didn't know about. Solar Winds obviously is yeah. of great na- uh, concern, yeah. a national security concern. On top of it, it's such a big deal because Solar Winds also uh, war games. So what they do is they try to find like what possible vulnerabilities there could be to these systems. So they actually produce like they're like hackers for their own equipment, if that makes sense. So the thing is, is that they make these hack like hack weapons and mm-hmm. then they war game them on their own equipment. Well, not only did the person that got into it get the uh, you know the equipment and all the back doors, they also got the weapons of mass destruction hack hack weapons. So they have both of these. This is this is unbelievable and catastrophic. I mean, you know, the people over there at the World Economic Forum have been talking about that's going to dwarf the pandemic. And I'm not getting into conspiracy. You can literally Google this. They said what's bigger than the pandemic is is a uh, is a is a breach like this that could be a major hack or cyber warfare pandemic. That's what they're calling it, a cyber attack pandemic. God forbid, Mark, we see something like that where the entire system is hit. We don't even know what could happen, honestly. No, you're that's and that is the level of seriousness. Absolutely, yeah. Tide. You're right. Um, <clears throat> and it seems to be happening during, obviously, you know, because they never let a good crisis go to waste, ever. ever, ever, ever. And by the way, I just wanted to point this out to everybody. Peter Navarro, also uh, from the White House, has issued a report on the voting irregularities. He said, quote, the emperor in the election has no clothes. Yes. Excellent report. Uh, Excellent report. Um, A a lot of truth out there. Um, And by the way, when when we're talking about the truth, we always want to make sure that everybody's fully informed. Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't noticed, this Hunter Biden... (laughs) crisis is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You may have seen that recently uh, uh, emails were obtained where Hunter Biden is wishing the chairman of their largest energy company there, who, by the way, the new secretary of energy wants to model ourselves after, right. um, as Biden, Hunter, sending best wishes from the entire Biden family yeah. Uh and oh, by the way, can you send me ten million dollars so that we can get going? <laughs> so, you know, um, if look, 
None of this is made up. And, you know, one of the things that we continually talk about, Todd, is that everybody's now been conditioned. It's okay. He's proud of his son, Todd. I mean, yeah. wouldn't you be if that was your son? Absolutely not. Obviously. Um, Hunter Biden has been under investigation for two years. Bill Barr, the outgoing attorney general, decided not to let anybody in on that. And now we're faced with a huge dilemma as a nation, because every time that question is asked, we get shut down. Nothing happened. The gaslighting is amazing, Todd. Well, I'm at a point personally, and I know many people share this. In fact, I just saw on on uh, Twitter, which, by the way, they control their trending, but uh, it happens to be trending. Patriot Party. Why would that be trending? It's trending because people are so sick and tired of, of hearing these people in political office not do anything. You know, we want to see justice. We already know what happened. How many times do we need to lay it all out? How many times do we need to, I mean, you know, I know as an investigative journalist, I've laid things out, you know, links and everything, because they always say, show the links and show, you know, I've showed it right from their own websites, Mark, time and time again. And it's always the same players. And we're sick and tired of not seeing justice. So if this election goes through where we see on the 20th of January, Joe Biden, okay, up there, the fraudster in chief, up there and he gets elected we're in a banana of republic officially and we're going to have to start talking about some alternate things because it's going to be unbelievable we're praying that god intervenes we're praying that something happens between now and then but i don't even know if i want to vote anymore mark i know that sounds so crazy but what why would i vote my vote doesn't even count no one even counts it you know what i'm saying i mean i know that's a radical statement but you know unless we see justice here i just i don't know how i feel about this you know Hey, look, at I totally, I, I completely understand where you're coming from because what's going on right now, it's hard to digest and then act on it. But over and over again, look, we just mentioned what's going on in Georgia. Ladies and gentlemen, the fix is in for that special election. Yes. yes. The likelihood of that, of that going correctly. And what I mean by correctly is that it's fair and just. Right. You know, they, they counted your vote, Todd, except they vote counted it three times for the other, other side. Exactly. And then right? got, I'm sorry. And, you know, I hope that this, I hope history proves me wrong. But Mitch McConnell, come on. The guy's telling people in the Senate, you know, don't, don't challenge the election in the Senate. What are you talking about, man? Like, do you have any backbone at all? Like, you know, what's wrong with these people? I mean, really, I'm, I, and then I get this email from the Republican Party. Hey, it's Mitch McConnell. You know, will you give to this? What do you, I don't even want, I, I literally responded. I hope somebody gets it. I said, don't ever send me something for Mitch again, unless he changes his tune. And this is, you're talking from a guy who stood staunchly by the Republicans, Mark. And I, you know, I, I agree with the party platform. I hope that I'm proven wrong when this whole thing plays out. But what I'm seeing is so disappointing. And I just, I don't even know what to think about it. Yeah, I agree with you. I share all those sentiments, the frustration and where we are right now, because this, uh, to say that we're at turning point and on the edge is actually an understatement. And really what happens in the next, let's say three weeks will, will dictate what happens to us in the future as a nation, to us personally with families and this great reset that everybody's pushing on us. We've got to resist. We absolutely do. We are the last stand. And beyond that, look, if America changes and it's not that shining city on the hill anymore, we're the last stand for freedom on this earth. So 
I don't think there's any other way to say that. And that's where we stand right now. Um, and we know from, you know, our heritage that we should pray, but we've also got to act that's right. because at this point in time, um, look, as far as our history goes, remember there, it was a small percentage of the colonists at the time that wanted independence. Yeah. Look at what they accomplished through prayers, through unity. Maybe I shouldn't use that word unity because they're using it, but they came together for one purpose yeah. and they stuck with it. So we must do the same as patriots and Christians out there. Stay with us. We're going to be right back. We have some great guests and you're going to want to stay. Welcome back to the Patriot and the Preacher. We have a very special guest joining us. And the subject matter is something we've been talking about an awful lot, not just around the election, but prior to that. And so we're talking about people like Google and Facebook and what they're up to. Yep. And our guest right now, this his new book is The 1984 of the COVID Era, <laughs> COVID era thought, thought Criminal. Michael Rechtenwald, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So we were just talking before we started the interview. So you were writing this book as the COVID crisis began. Tell us about it and why you decided to sit down and write this novel. Well, I, I mean, I just wanted to say things that I couldn't say in nonfiction prose. And uh, mm -hmm. so I projected out 20, 30 years or more and uh, put certain circumstances in place that I thought would emblematize and uh, illustrate the kind of concerns that I was having. And uh, so I, I wrote this book over the course of uh, three or four months, basically, uh, writing almost around the clock, seven days a week, 12 to 15 hours a day. And uh, yeah, so uh, the novel is uh, uh, dystopian, but it has a, uh, there's gleams of hope and there's a gleam of hope at the end. But uh, yeah. That is awesome. Um, you know, talking about 1984, I mean, a lot of the things that we're experiencing right now are, are Orwellian, as you are mentioning in your book. I mean, you know, obviously a lot of um, things that we can look at in today's world to, to get some uh, inspiration as to what you're talking about here. Um, but, you know, as you're seeing all these things develop in our world, what is really sticking out to you that's inspired you to write this book? Okay, well, some of the things have to do with this kind of authoritarian collectivism that's underway, mm -hmm. and, uh, the kind of uh, policing that people were doing on each other, and the, uh, the COVID restrictions on the way the world has been shut down in parts. But at this time in April, when I started, it was like a, you know, we went outside, it was like a, a deserted landscape. And uh, I, I just wanted to capture these things, but without coming across as some sort of a conspiracist or conspiracy theorist. So I put it all in fiction. And uh, so there's a lot of elements like uh, there's a, there's a data processing and data center called collective mind. Mm. And collective mind is this overarching uh, surveillance and knowledge database that has, they try to connect every single human being to through these nanobots yeah. attach themselves to the neurons of the neocortex and conduct information flows back and forth between them. Right. 
Sounds like transhumanism almost, you know? Yes, there's a trans, in fact, there's a, a university in the novel called Transhuman U University or TransU for short. And uh, there's a professor who's a professor of uh, AI and neuro, uh, theory of mind and AI neur neurology and uh, neuroscience. And uh, he is uh, outed as a thought deviationist early in the novel. Uh, by his uh, graduate assistant student, and uh, he is then uh, on the run and then apprehended by robot police agents, uh, taken in for treatment to a place called Essential Data, and he's treated for the virus, as it's called. Uh, the novel has it such that the virus is actually something that was produced purposely and released in order to infect as many people as possible with this, which really were the nanobots that connect them to collective mind. He has a resistor to this, and um, he has found a drug that keeps him free from it, and uh, that's the plot develops from there. Wow. So, <clears throat> as you said, you, you wanted to write this in the fiction format, obviously, to... <laughs> protect the innocent but this is almost a complete mirror yeah i mean really this is almost a complete mirror of everything we've experienced including like you just said the the disease being used to control people the mask mandates the hysteria that's going on right now um <clears throat> social distancing vaccine compliance and yeah. um shaming people that don't buy into it shaming. Mm -hmm. um so michael you you also wrote about uh, previously about uh, one comp a couple of companies that are literally have the corner on how people should be thinking and what they see in front of them, namely Facebook and Google. Just give us, we want to go, I mean, the book is obviously, this is a lot of people, Ken Timmerman, who's been on the show, said amazing things about your book, Thought Criminal. But, so just give the listeners an idea because we're, we're, I don't think people really understand, although the recent headlines about Facebook and what Mark Zuckerberg did along with his money mm -hmm. give us more than pause for concern um, and show us that uh, what their real intentions are. But just give the listeners the idea. Google and Facebook have gone to great lengths before and after this election to yeah. influence the entire voting population. Right. Yeah, I mean, they are uh, basically, as, as we know, they're leftists, and I think they're leftist authoritarians who are undertaking uh, not only censorship, uh, bias is much too uh, mild of a term to describe their political orientation and their uh, inflect, the way they inflect everything. Uh, they also engage in massive propaganda, I think, and memory holding of of information, uh, putting things into the memory hole, deleting, disappearing information and people, uh, digitally, digitally deleting people. Uh, and uh, this is why I called uh, this constellation of big digital enterprises, the Google, the Google archipelago in my previous book. Uh, Google archipelago speaks to the way that the Google conglomeration, including Google, Facebook, Twitter, etc., are effectively serving as digital gulags. Mm. 
where all dissidents get sent and disappeared to, where thought is controlled, where censorship is totally overwhelming, where propaganda is uh, basically all that they spoo, and a double think is really the only way you can understand it. Right, right. And that's the truth. I mean, we know people that have been completely deplatformed. I mean, it's like you're almost like uh, non-existent. You got to find these alternative. Thank God for like Parler and Rumble and some of these new platforms that are kind of coming up. But can we trust them? I don't know. You know, I mean, we, yeah. we just don't know, you know, people's but websites. Yeah. Kind of like gulags in themselves, aren't they? Because what happens is dissidents end up going there. Yes. They can't speak to anybody else. So they're siloed there. Right. Yes. And that's a problem. Uh, so they're not letting you in the real public square, but sort of letting you go into these digital silos where your voice really reaches only people that agree with you. It's as right. if you're in a sort of prison, a mm. digital prison, in effect. Yeah, that's, that's actually, that's a great really point. Good. That's yeah. absolutely what's going on. You know, when you talk about the level of brainwashing going on, I literally had somebody say to me on Facebook, just the other day well the fact checkers said it isn't true so it's not <laughs> um and we know about the money obviously coming in from china for those for those fact checkers right There's a lot of concerning things going on michael yeah um and to the point where people are literally have that mindset oh if it's got a disclaimer over it then you're lying it's gotten to that level it's gotten to that level the interesting thing is it's usually the inverse of the truth. That's right. When they say something is false, it, it no doubt has some veracity to it. So it, it's as if they're really engaging in double think and they're basically inverting reality. Uh, this, this is how they're gaslighting us by making mm -hmm. us deny our own senses in effect. And the, the best emblem for that was simply that CNN reporter who stood before a burning building and was telling us that this was mostly <laughs> protestful right Baghdad Bob it's what it was, <laughs> it was like Baghdad Bob like Baghdad Bob it was yeah what do you mean we're taking the Americans we're pushing them back oh my yeah. goodness you know it, it is unbelievable what we're dealing with I mean I don't think a lot of people could think this could ever happen in America but here it is you know and very very scary yeah very, yeah. Very in this case you don't have the state per se engaging this by itself what we have is these big digital Goliaths who in effect have dominated and taken over what is become the public square mm -hmm. and the news media and so what they are effectively acting as, as kind of a state on the, in their own way, on their own behalf, right. they're effectively a state, a governmentality that is controlling everything, propagandizing to us, disappearing dissidents, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, a, it's, it's like the digital version of the Soviet Union. Right. Yeah. Right. Ministry of Truth, you know, I yes. mean, it's, uh, that's what we're dealing with here. So but back to your book, what are some concepts that you came up with fictionally that yeah. maybe haven't happened yet, but something that you kind of foresee maybe in the near future? Well, yeah, I mean, one of the things that the book deals in is things like predictive algorithms, mm. uh, which are not too far off. That's right. Minority which, report. Yep. Right. In which these algorithms not only... Uh, basically keep track of everything you've said, done, and thought, but also are able to predict it. 
and therefore preempt certain behaviors. Uh, this is always something that the heroes in the book are trying to elude. Uh, in fact, at times they try not to think so that their thoughts aren't picked off and then the predictive algorithms used to preempt their behavior, their actions. Uh, then of course, uh, this notion of, uh, of AI such that, uh, well, smart cities, for example, or all, all the cities in the book are all smart cities as in China today. So it's not that far off in which all of your behavior is tracked, traced, known, et cetera. All, all currency is digital so that every transaction you make is, is known in advance and some are precluded. Uh, the uh, collective mind not only being a kind of groupthink as it is today, but a technologically, uh, a technology as such, uh, a technology that is not only patrolling your thoughts, but supplying them. Mm. Um, so this is uh, the prospects that are actually possible. And I did a lot of research and I worked in AI for five years. Uh, so I've, I've done a lot of research in AI and I, I, these are not utterly uh, uh, phantasmagoric possibilities here. These are actually real prospects. No, they absolutely are. As a matter of fact, Elon Musk has said, and a couple of other Silicon Valley executives, that AI is actually a very big threat to our existence moving forward. Oh, absolutely. It's a threat to our, first of all, to our, our individual autonomy, to our individual selfhood. Right. Uh, and then, of course, to, uh, before that, to our wills. Uh, it could you know, actually try to implicate itself into our consciousness in such a way that we could mistake its imperatives for our own Mm. for our own will. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's where it gets blurry when, you know, I wanted to address this with you because I saw it in your bio and I think it's important because this movement, this social justice movement has mm -hmm. taken on such a powerful tone politically across, especially well on the liberal side. So, yeah. and they're using that to do, to accomplish whatever it is yeah. on their agenda. So right. talk to us about, because they've rewritten history and they're able right. to, so talk to us about what you, what you have deemed the character of this self social justice movement. Well, social justice or woke ideology uh, is a totalitarian movement. Okay. And uh, it's of course, in a way of, uh, what I think, the, let me just get to the cut to the chase, what I think the ultimate objective of it is, and that is to create a situation in which we are to expect very reduced expectations, both economically and, and personally, mm. so that once we're shamed into being, you know, we're sh the privileged are shamed into accepting very reduced circumstances in terms of our freedom and also in terms of our economic mobility and that will then accept uh, especially for the younger people coming up accept these very reduced conditions and that is the kind of conditions that would be put in place under such things as the great reset for example or 2030 agenda and that is to say a kind of static feudalism with uh, tech oligarchs and other oligarchs on top running the show and, and, you know, the destruction of small businesses 
and basically everybody else living on universal basic income in a static techno-feudal hierarchy. Mm-hmm. That's what I think the wokeness is really the, the upshot of it is. Of course, it started off as what we would think as intolerance, but it soon has uh, morphed into tyranny. It's tyrannical. Uh, and it is, you know, not only are people being canceled, they're being killed uh, for their political views. We're living in America where people are being shot dead wow. for having the wrong political perspectives. Yep. Threatened. Um, you know, anybody that dares to speak out, they're threatened, their their lives are put in. I mean, gosh, you know, just to have a podcast like this, we get threats. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, you know, so people have to understand the cost that we're trying to get the truth to you while there's time. And yeah. we're hoping that more people will wake up. And that's what, Michael, you're out there doing. We appreciate so much what you're doing, man. And, uh, you know, you, you did it in a very uh, creative way, uh, which is awesome. How can people find the work that you're doing? MichaelRectonwald.com. That's R-E-C-T-E-N-W-A-L-D. MichaelRectonwald.com, one word. There you'll find my books, especially you can Let's see that book. There it is. I knew it was just Thought Criminal. And... Also, I have uh, on my website, this is not to make money. I'm not making any money on these T-shirts. They're thought criminal T-shirts that are a way of coded. It's a coded way of speaking to each other across space and across the distances that we're put in under, across social distancing. Let's put it that way. To identify people that are resisting this dominant brainwashing uh, tyrannical agenda that is being foisted upon us. Yeah. Well, that is a, a perfect description of what's going on right now. And the gaslighting only see now it's become the norm gaslighting, yeah. even oh, yeah. when, I mean, you know, to the point as, as one example, but there are so many when Joe Biden is being asked about his son, his response in the beginning is, first of all, I'm very proud of him. I'm sure he is because he <laughs> raked in, millions of dollars and then the second one after he claimed that he didn't know a thing about what hunter was up to now he's telling us that he's very sure that he did nothing wrong yeah and in any other time i mean we know the story was buried but in any other time people would be saying no wait a minute you very well may be walking into the white house we need to know if there's any problems as far as conflict of interest Right? Yeah, I mean, serious national security interests mm-hmm. was oh, yeah. China, which, you know, China has an objective to completely infiltrate our society and to make up, to basically strap us into the one road, one belt agenda, in effect. That's right. After they reduce our economy to, to, to smithereens, uh, I think then they're going to come along with money, which has attachments of ideological and political adherence to their values. Right. Already we see that big tech really shares their ideological and political values in effect. I think China has been the model for the corporate giant oligarchs who want to establish this two-tiered system that I mentioned before. Yes. Yes, they have to get rid of the U.S. Constitution, our sovereignty, our rights. That's why they're looking at the China model. We always say China is the test case for the globalists, kind of like California yeah. is the test state, you know, yes. and then China it's is the lab. test. It's their yeah. laboratory in a front. Right. right. 
Gary. And they, and they have the social credit score system over there, which has already been implemented. And so, like you said, here in the United States, they're using the big corporations and the tech companies to kind of skirt around the government tyranny. But right. it's it's essentially ends up being almost a similar result because you can't find employment. You can't, you know, you're, you're shut down, you're silenced, you're, you know, you're, you're, even though there's millions of people that feel the way we do, it's because these, pe- these small group of people controls the, uh, yeah. I call it the megaphone. You know. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They and the and the jail the keys to the jail. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. That's uh, right. Um, COVID, of course, is being used is being used as a pretext for all this. I'm not saying there's no virus. There is a virus. Right. But COVID, the COVID response, I call it the COVID crisis, is uh, that really entails the response to it is being used as a pretext to roll out this whole social credit scoring, uh, tracking, tracing, uh, surveilling, and prohibiting uh, prohibitive uh, rules and regulations and what will become perhaps laws such that our our rights will be so so curtailed, our ability to, our our mobility will be so curtailed that it might be impossible to go to the grocery store if you don't have the vaccine and the medical passport to verify that yeah yeah it, it, we, and we you know michael before we go everything you've described about their strategy what they intend on doing and then looking at along with that the um crazy and i'll say that inflect that the crazy cast of characters that are being appointed to joe biden's administration are literally it's more than scary. It's a nightmare. It's a total nightmare. It, it really is. So just, you know, we don't want to always be completely negative, but it's the yeah. truth about what's going on. Do we, I mean, do we really have any hope of taking this country back and preserving yeah. our liberty? What we have in the United States, which, you know, Russia didn't have, which China didn't have, which much of Eastern Europe did not have, is we not only have a constitution and a bill of rights, we have a heritage, a, a tradition of liberty, of individual rights and liberty, which mm-hmm. is a long, deep uh, heritage that we can draw from and that we can hold up against the current conditions and compare them to that so that we have ideals that, that are actually uh, possible to oppose to the prevailing winds, if you will, because they didn't have such a long history and tradition as we do in the Soviet Union previous right. to the Bolshevik Revolution or China, previous to the Communist Revolution there and elsewhere. We do have that. It's a standard that we can continually look to, to pose against what is being foisted on us. Uh, and we will, we will have, and we have, you know, I'll call them patriots, but I call, and also it could be just called people that love freedom and liberty. Uh, we have a lot of those. Yeah. And these people Agreed. are not going to, to lay down and to be rolled over. That's right. I agree right. with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Dr. Michael Rechtenwald, thank you for joining us. The name of the book is Thought Criminal. We really enjoyed having you on, sir. Thank no, you. Thanks for having me. It was great. Thank you. This is the Patriot and the Preacher Show. We're going to be right back. One, we're back with the Patriot and the Preacher. It's a great time to have this guest on because everybody's looking to what are we going to watch with our families, especially since yeah. 
COVID. So Billy Halloway uh, is the director of content for PureFlex. Billy, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Can I just say I love the name of your show? Well, <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> it's a good name, isn't it? It is. It is a good name. That name gets us like so much. It's amazing. It's an eye catcher. You know, I saw him like, that's, that's awesome. I, of course I want to go on this show. Thank <laughs> well, thank you. you. That's awesome. Well, you're the Pure Flicks. That's a great name, too. It is, isn't it? <laughs> Seriously. And uh, that caught our eye. I'll tell you that as a family that's looking for good content, man, I mean, you go on Netflix, you're like scared to have your kids go on there. You know, I've canceled my subscription a long time ago to Netflix, but, you know, th there needs to be an alternative. So tell us a little bit about what you guys are up to at Pure Flicks, Billy. Yeah, I mean, what you just said is is so true and so important, and it really involves what we do at PureFlix. And you look at just like 8 p.m., sitting down to watch TV with your family used to be a really easy thing to do. Like you could find stuff to watch. You didn't have to worry. Uh, even cartoons you didn't have to worry about, right? So there's so many things right now that make it hard for parents in a busy world. You can't just, and not that we should be doing this anyway, but you can't just hit, hey, here's the tablet, go and watch whatever. You really have right. to know what's going on. So PureFlix is a place where you can, go and stream there's thousands of tv shows and movies and the really cool thing is that you don't have to worry about those surprises those things you don't want to be there for your kids but beyond that it's not just about kids it's it's also about the whole family adults and you know there's there's rom-coms and there's documentaries i mean everything you can imagine in this streaming service that you know essentially serves the whole family Yes. Well, and I'll tell you, uh, you know, I, I had a show called Hollywood Alive. Uh, Mark knows this on Salem for many years. And so I've watched the evolution of Christian movie and content. And I, you know, so I'm on the side of Christian content, but I will tell you, and you know, this many years ago, it was cheesy. It was really, really bad. And we've come a long way. And so, um, you know, Kevin Sorbo has been on the show many times, David A.R. Wright, you know, what you guys are doing over there is amazing. How have you evolved to make more quality content over the years and now you know where we are here in 2020 yeah, I mean, I think the big thing, and I think everyone knows this, when you talk about Hollywood, Hollywood has a lot of money. And when you have a lot of money, you can do special effects, you can do everything can be better when you have the money to do it. But I think over time, a lot of Christian filmmakers and people who make family friendly content, they've realized that there are ways, you know, with time, you get better, right? Your craft gets better. And you figure out with technology, I mean, look at the technology we have now, we can be in three different locations and do a radio show, right? I mean, you can right. do so many things that you could couldn't even do five years ago that we have the capability for now. So, so with that, I think things improve. You've seen movies like The Case for Christ, which is a phenomenal film uh, that, that Pure Flix theatrical had done. And so there's so much, but I think it's like anything else. You have to have grace and it takes time. And I think you're going to see it really explode and grow even more. If you think back to 2014, that's when you had God's Not Dead. And it was sort of the year of the Bible, right? Mark Burnett and Roma Downey and, and all that crazy content on TV coming out. And I say, crazy in a good way. Um, and I think we've grown so much since then, and we're going to continue to. Absolutely. You guys have really just established the bar on what Christian programming should look like. Um, so Billy, tell us about, you know, obviously there's lots of Christmas movies that Pure Flix has out right now. Just kind of tell the listeners about maybe a couple of them that are out there with uh, some familiar names in it. 
Yeah. So, you know, Christmas with a capital C, I just watched this one the other night and it's about what I love about it is it deals with this issue of a nativity, like in a town, people are arguing over this nativity and you've got Ted McGinley in that one and a number of others. And, and they're, they're like navigating this guy who comes back to town. And I don't want to spoil the whole thing, but comes back to town, doesn't like that the nativity is there and tries to sue to remove it. This stuff happens in real life. And it's sort of like the, the Grinch issue that happens every, you know, Christmas with people fighting over nativities, but it's a really cool story and how the community reacts to it and how Christians behave and, and all that. So that's a good one. Uh, there's also the Christmas truce, which is actually like a war themed and I'm not a romance movie person. Okay. Like full disclosure, it's a romance story, but it's set in, in war in world war two. And so you get kind of that cool, like war sort of vibe to it. Uh, and that's another great one. So, and, and then Kevin Sorbo's in Christmas angel, which my kids have been watching. We've been watching that one as a family. And so that kind of gives you like a sense of the different types of content. And of course, veggie tales, right? Like right. you've got every, like veggie, every original veggie tales that you could possibly imagine that you can that's watch. That's a big and, one for us. Cause that's a big one at our house. I'll tell you. <laughs> kids love, kids love oh, that yeah. one. Kids love it. And yeah. friends and heroes and all that. So yeah, there's, there's so, there's so much there. And I mean, the Christmas, by the way, I want to mention this cause this is important. I think it differentiates pure flicks from, other services and it's the holy story it's this campaign we have where it's like hey you know we love talk obviously christmas it's jesus's birth it's the greatest story ever told but what about all of the stories in the bible and the real life events that led up to that so like the book of esther and all these other titles that take you through the whole bible at christmas time and mm -hmm. so that's what the holy story campaign is and if you you know go over to pureflix.com and you sign up you can actually see the holy story films that are there that you can kind of watch this time of year to get a, i think a broader sense of what scripture says mm, very good um and you know one of the things that uh you know christians beyond looking for content everybody's talked about as we were getting ready for this interview um, about creating holiday memories. So a lot of these movies will kind of help, I think, the Christmas spirit come alive, don't you think? Well, absolutely. And let me tell you this, because this happened with my kid, right? And it was an accident. Like, I, So the other night we were watching The Last Straw, which is a movie on the platform. We do movie nights every Friday. Like we order pizza, we do a movie night. It's just been our thing during quarantine and yeah. during COVID. And it's actually developed into something I think we'll do forever uh, because we just sit down and we hang out and we, then we talk about the meaning of what it was we watched. So we're watching The Last Straw and it's about these kids who, this family that the kids aren't getting along. So they take straws, like little pieces of straw. And every time you do a good deed you put it in this little manger for jesus and then on christmas eve you put baby jesus in in the manger and there's enough straw to make him comfortable that's the that's the baseline of this movie and my kids were so obsessed with this movie that they went and did the same thing like they got a manger you know they got a baby jesus doll and so they're walking around the house trying to do good deeds now mm -hmm. right and so that's the power though and i just want to emphasize this of entertainment right and you guys know this like entertainment whether we like it or not we think we're just watching things for fun it transforms us. It changes the way we think about things. And that is what has been happening in this country now for, for a long time, for the last 20 years, perceptions changing due to that. And yet you have these great examples of the opposite direction of that. And so I loved seeing that with my own kids. Yeah, that's a great example. Yeah, Billy, what, what's your favorite Pure Flix movie? You know, if you had to say one really stuck out to you, which one is that? I have to say, and I mentioned it earlier, The Case for Christ is my absolute favorite. I love the book, and I think most of us are familiar with Lee Strobel's story yeah. and the book. But getting to see that play out, and that's actually available right now on Pure Flix, but getting to see that play out and watching that, because 
people ask like, what's the, what's the proof of Christianity? That's always the question. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've been a journalist. I mean, I was a journalist before joining Pureflix for years. And I told so many stories of people who went from the most unimaginable life circumstances into finding Jesus and changing their life. And that has always been the proof of Christianity. And yet you get a chance to then see that in the case for Christ and watch that, that play out, which I love. It's a great movie. That yeah, is a great movie. Yeah. I've, I've, I've watched it many times and, and every time it moves you, it's it really, that, it was well-written and a great adaptation from the book. Absolutely. You, know, you could sneak it in, in the holidays too, with those unsaved loved ones and, you know, just flip it on and <laughs> you got a captive audience there. Cause it's a, it's a real good, I mean, you know, an argument there. I mean, for anybody, you know, an atheist or anybody to just come in and wow, you know, there's, there's really a case and this is real, you know? Yeah. And this is the time of year for that, right? Those conversations, like having those conversations yeah. with people and sometimes content is the way to do that. Right. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So Billy, we really appreciate you coming on and sharing what's going on at PureFlix. It's a great alternative, as everybody knows. And the listeners in our next segment are going to learn how they can maybe win a free subscription from PureFlix. Mm. We really appreciate you coming on. Merry Christmas, brother. Merry Christmas. Thanks Bye. for having me. It's Absolutely. great to have you. This is the Patriot and the Preacher Show, and we're going to be right back. Welcome back to The Patriot and the Preacher. We have somebody very special joining us. He comes from an organization that we've all heard of, which is the Salvation Army. And Chris Priest is the Southeast Director of Communications. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, Chris. Thank you. Thank you for uh, inviting me. Well, it's great to have you. Now, the Salvation Army is obviously one of the things that it's most well known about is the Red Kettle campaign, right? Correct. And uh, a lot of people don't know how it started. It started in San Francisco. Can you fill the listeners in on that? Oh, gosh, be happy to. 1891, which was uh, just over 10 years after Salvation Army started in the USA, um, a very resourceful captain uh, who had been a sailor in England, um, was down at the uh, quay there at the port side, uh, desperate to get donations to be able to feed the poor that Christmas. And he remembered back in Liverpool, England, where he was a sailor, that uh, a, a, another charity used to put out a, a big kind of urn container for people to throw their coins in. So he grabbed this kind of cauldron thing, um, which wasn't being used, and uh, started to ring a bell, and gradually people saw him, saw the uniform, and started to give. And here we are, 129 years later, wow. with 24,000 kettle sites, normally, that is, across the U.S., that's amazing. And, you know, I think there's probably not a person that's listening that doesn't know what you're talking about. We've all seen it our whole lives. And uh, we're so thankful for the work that Salvation Army does. Now, this year, as you alluded to, is a different type of year. How is Salvation Army adapting to the world of 2020 and all the different challenges that we're going through with the coronavirus? Well, yeah, thank, thanks for that question. Obviously, we've been very concerned about this right from the get-go when lockdown first came, and uh, we were all affected. In fact, the whole world was affected, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, and so we immediately started to talk about how would Christmas look? And, of course, a lot of people said to us, you've got to be joking. 
everything will be back to normal by yeah. then. Yeah. Uh, but how glad I am that 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 our leadership took it on themselves to really look at this seriously, in view of the fact, really, that the trend now, as you will know, is not to carry cash anyway. Right. Um, and 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 to give online. I mean, that's the way the, uh, the retail industry appears to be going. Also, the fact that here we are, it, almost the end of this year, where we're still somewhat restricted in how we go into a store, how many people are allowed in the store, uh, and not carrying cash. That kind of right. hits it in several ways. But answering that, let's go back to early March when, when we realized that we were going to be um, very much um, uh, involved in facing the COVID situation because obviously, as we all know, a lot of people lost their jobs, were laid yeah. off, yeah. were furloughed. Um, in fact, we estimate over 150% increase in demand this year. Wow. Uh, the work that you do at the social what, what we do. Yes. 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 Wow. And that, that, that can be from a bag of groceries uh, through to paying someone's light bill, um, helping them with some rent, uh, you know, all the various things that we do, as well as how we care for the poor generally with our shelters and our, and our other uh, um, s services that, that, that we offer, our feeding programs, our work with the aging, you know, all, all of those things that we do. Yes, sir. Wow. So the need has really increased as we've, as people have talked about across the country, you're seeing a lot of people that are needing help. Um, 150%. So Chris, how, how is the Salvation Army really adapted to all of the needs that are out there when COVID is going on? Are you able to, to help them in the same way you were able to before? Well, we, we, we do whatever our resource will allow. And, and I have to pay tribute to the American public. They really have stepped up. Um, obviously, we don't advertise in a big way that we need money. But uh, the kettle does that job for us, mm. uh, as you quite right, rightly said. In fact, there isn't a, a Christmas movie out there now that doesn't have a representation of our kettle somewhere, a Santa right. Claus ringing about whatever. Uh, and so, you know, 99% of the American public, when you say Salvation Army, they'll say the kettle or the bell or Christmas. Right. In fact... I, I, I hate to admit this, but there are some folks out there that think we only do things at Christmas. Right. Um, and that, that, that troubles me being in public relations. You know, where, where are we going wrong? Because if people only think we do things at Christmas, um, are we such low profile during the rest of the year? Mm -hmm. But anyway, that, that's, that's our big public effort. Mm -hmm. And normally it would commence around Thanksgiving and end on Christmas Eve, that is the kettle. Um, but we looked into how we could uh, make people aware of the need. And so mid-September, we, we launched Rescue Christmas, which is our, our, our tagline for this campaign. We didn't put kettles out then, although there was one that reporter who got a little bit ambitious and printed the fact that we were ringing bells mid-September, mid which wasn't true. But we made people aware online that they could start to give from then on. 
And that has gone pretty well. I can't give you exact numbers, but um, certainly our, our uh, uh, internet giving has uh, increased significantly because yeah. of that effort, which is good. That is yeah. really good to hear. Chris, is there anything that um, you'd like to leave our listeners with about really the mission of Salvation Army? And, and um, oh, you've, described, you've described all these services, but the mission of Salvation Army and and really what you're going to be doing moving forward into 2021? Well, first and foremost, of course, we are part of the Universal Christian Church. Um, our, our, our message is based on the Bible. Yes. Our motivation uh, is, is our, our ministry rather, is motivated by the love of God. And our mission is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in Christ's name without discrimination. That's a very important line because sometimes... There are people who hear that we do discriminate with our services. We don't. If someone comes for help, we don't ask them any questions uh, along the lines of, you know, well, do you really need this? Or, you know, how, mu how much do you earn? Uh, you know, all, all, all of those things. Obviously, there is certain documentation that has to be filled in. But if someone needs help, then we will do our best to help them. And so... Our, our mission, first and foremost, is to preach the gospel, to save the sinner, uh, and and because our founder William Booth believed that we need to win the world for uh, for Jesus Christ, and that's always been our motivation. But we use soup, soap, and salvation to do it, uh, rather than just preaching the word. We will help people. Um, what I haven't mentioned to you is our Angel Tree program, which. Quite honestly, this, this week is now going out. In fact, here in Atlanta, that this week, we, we distributed to hundreds of families gifts for their children. Uh, and that's from a generous public. And Walmart have been great. I hope I can say Walmart on the show, can I? Well, I've said it, so there you go. <laughs> um, that's all right. Walmart have, have, have reached out as a national partner, first time ever. And, and they put a, a, an angel tree in every store with a tag and you take the tag and you shop for that child or you go online that registry for good and you buy gifts online and they automatically go to a child in need in your zip code. So, I mean, it's, it's all work working extremely well, but we don't know what the end result is going to be yet, except we are helping people. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's such a blessing that you've been helping people for so many years. I actually am a director of a nonprofit called the Religious Liberty uh, right. you know, Institution. So we're, we're, we're standing for religious liberty and freedom. And so we appreciate what you're doing and, you. uh, and we stand with you. And that's why we want to have you on the show. And uh, how can people find more about what you're doing? Is there a website we can direct them to? Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> SalvationArmyUSA.org is the place to go it will tell you all about the rescue christmas campaign it will list all our many many programs and services it will also open doors for you to volunteer as well as donate uh, um, cash or goods uh you know and gosh i mean the list is endless like we help to rehabilitate those who are going through substance abuse most of our family stores that you see um, are, are selling donated goods where a hundred percent of that goes to rehabilitate a life because mm. if if someone shows up at our door that needs help in that way they don't have to pay for that 
they 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 reside they get counseling they get an income of sorts but they get all their meals uh and and hopefully they find christ that's the most important thing Mm. yeah amen amen chris chris priest thank you so much for joining us it was great to hear about everything the salvation army is doing and everybody please go to the website to rescue christmas for a family in need chris thanks for joining us thank you chris appreciate you Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. This is the Patriot and the Preacher Show, and we'll be right back. One, welcome back, everybody, to the Patriot and the Preacher. So, Todd, I thought, because the news was kind of heavy, and and we just got done with Dr. Rechtenwald and talking about that scenario, I thought I would bring a good story to light. Yeah. Uh, there is uh, this teacher... Um, from the Missouri area, he's actually not far from St. Louis, who was just named Teacher of the Year. But there's something about the backstory of this guy is quite amazing, Todd, because his name is Darian, mm-hmm. and Darian joined a gang at the age of 10. Mm-hmm. And it actually just keeps going. His his it's just really amazing. It almost sounds like out of a movie. Right. I was born to a drug addicted mother who had two of her six kids by the age of 16. Mm-hmm. My father was murdered when I was four. Wow. And I began my journey in and out of foster care. Not long after my sixth birthday. Mm-hmm. So he credits all of the male role models around him. He said he didn't want to end up dead in jail like his friends. Right. And this, this is pretty amazing. Yeah. In seventh grade, he was adopted by his football coach. Okay. And then he decided that, um, that he wanted to make a difference in somebody's life like all the other teachers did. So I think my hats are off to this, this man named Deering because he actually did do it. And to yeah. be named teacher of the year throughout the state is yeah. pretty impressive, isn't it, Todd? Yeah, that is. I mean, it's so good to have a positive story. Here's some good news. There's good people out there that are doing good things. And, uh, you know, I, I almost feel like it's the enemy that wants us to be focused. In fact, there's even a scripture that says focus on things that are pure and that are lovely and that are holy, you know. And, uh, you know, it's hard because today our minds are just constantly drawn to the negative and all the, the bad things that we're having to deal with. And I'm not saying don't deal with them because, you know, we have to be sober minded and right. praying. Uh, but, but I'm glad you're bringing this up, Mark. Yeah, because it kind of, you know, you have to see those kinds of stories. That, man, that uh, young man's life was changed, as he said. And in his quote, he really spells it out why he did what he did. Right. He said, my message for teachers is understanding the power that we have to make positive or negative impacts on the lives of others. And he's completely right on there. Yes. Um, because look, according to his story, it wasn't just that football coach, which is amazing that he adopted one of his players, but it was everybody around him along the way, which means really God had his hand on this man's life the entire time. Yeah. Well, he's got his hand on all of our lives. You know, I don't, I can't even think of how many times he's done amazing things in my life, divine appointments and miracles. 
And we have to think about these things because, you know, when, in times like we're going through right now where our faith is tried and tested, we got to remember who God is, you know, and that he organizes and orchestrates and puts people divinely in our lives, you know, connected to you and I, you know what I'm right. saying? Uh, and, and this is what he does. So this is That's a right. great testimony, really great testimony. It really is. It really is. And it's kind of a reminder that the same God that we read about in the Bible is still in the business of doing miracles. Yes. He still shows up in our lives. Yes. He has really has such a long history with this country that it's just quite amazing when yeah. you look at the faith of this nation. It kind of dovetails into what I just wanted to reiterate before we close out with the prayers we always do and Christmas is coming up. Yes. And everybody's starting to focus on that, which I believe is a great thing. But remember that that the founders once again, got where they were because of their faith and reliance on God, mm -hmm. that that's why they told us like Benjamin Rush, that he really believed. And I'm paraphrasing. I've said the quote before that our existence and the fact that we won was as much of a miracle than any of the miracles recorded in the old and new Testament. That's, that's right. what he was. That's what he was comparing us to. And I think everybody should take heed on that statement because it's true. We're, the greatest church plant, the biggest church plant in the history of the world. Yes. And what we do matters. Yes, of course it does. Of course it does. Our future matters. Who we are matters. And listen, the enemy always has plans, you know, and he always is trying to do something. But we got to remember that God does respond to the prayers of the righteous. That's why we're praying. It's not just in vain. And, you know, I got to believe that, that something could very well happen in faith. I really believe it's going to mark. And, you know, if it doesn't, like I've said before, I'm still going to serve God. I'm still going to operate in my calling. We're going to move forward. We'll have the show, hopefully, <laughs> uh, you know, continue to move forward. But the thing is, is that, you know, we got to believe that God's in a miracle working business. And so we can't lose hope. Once we lose hope, then that's it. We're defeated in our mind already. And that's what the enemy wants. And we can't allow that to happen. That's right. Oh, wow. Exactly what I was thinking, Todd. I agree because our thoughts are dictating how we're looking at the world and yeah. every situation, it's dictating how we respond. So we really got to guard our thoughts and That's really right. and really be careful and not be susceptible as much as we, and we can control that, the thoughts that are coming in, the doubts and the shame and yes. whatever else is being put in our mind. Because right now we've got to all stand together as one That's in right. the body of Christ to pray through this. You. You, all, you you say that and post that a lot, and I totally agree with it. we got to pray through this. Pray That's this what's going to make the difference. That's right. Hashtag pray this through. Let's exactly. pray through. Maybe Amen. that's what we should do right now. Absolutely. That? That's, let's do that right now. Remember, as a nation between the Revolutionary War and all the way up until the late, well, actually, the early 1900s, Congress called for a National Day of Prayer yeah. 1,700 times. That's right. So let's follow their example, Todd. That's right. That's right. So Lord, in the name of Jesus, by the power and authority of your Holy Spirit, we pray for our nation today as we get ready to celebrate the birth of your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins. Lord, we pray today that you would have a miracle take place this Christmas, a Christmas miracle, uh, where we would see our nation restored instead of being stolen. They want to steal it. They want a great reset. But we're asking for a great awakening. We're asking for a great revival and, and not a great reset, Lord God, that we would be able to continue to be that church plant, but that we would not only 
continue, but we repent and we return back to the true values that this nation was founded on, which are biblical values. And Lord, we thank you that you would give us this reprieve, that you would give us this last chance, one last chance, Lord God, to, to be the church in America, to be the people of God that we're meant to be. And so we're praying, we're asking for mercy and grace that we would be about your business. Lord, I pray for each and every person listening, they'd be encouraged today, they'd be strengthened in their faith. We pray for our president as he makes very, very important decisions right now. And we just pray for our republic, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Todd. We, uh, we really appreciate all of you joining us. We're excited to announce that on our next show, we're going to have Congressman Ken Buck. Yeah. So he's going to come on and explain what really is going on. He knows far more than you're hearing about. So he's going to share as much as he can with us about the uh, about good old Hunter Biden and the Biden crime family and then what's going on with the election. So we're excited to have him coming on next week. And so we want to wish all of you a very Merry Christmas. Yes. Um, enjoy your time with your family and loved ones. And we will be back next Saturday at the same time. Until then, I am Mark Anthony, your patriot. It's Pastor Todd Coconado, the preacher. Thank you so much for tuning in and God bless you.